Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com. You're a miraculous body. You're a body of miracles. That's the series we're in. The Lord told me to teach on it, so here we are. Okay? And we're talking about how if we are Christ's body, then we must be a miraculous body. It's not a side issue. If we are Christ's body, we must be a miraculous body. When they touched Jesus' body in the flesh, when he was here on the earth, they got healed. Amen? Did you know you are Jesus' body in the flesh? Are you his hands? Are you his feet? You are his body. And so when they touch you, they should get healed. Sometimes I say things that comes out of my mouth and it hits my ears before it hits my head. And last week I heard myself saying, your enemies are going to bump into you and get healed. I heard myself saying that. I'm like, oh, they are. Okay, amen. You know, you know, <laughs> it's true. So we're going to just be saturated in the, the body of miracles, the works of Jesus for probably the, the first six months of the year. And that's what we're doing. We're just going to look at what Jesus did in the flesh. I'm always in the Gospels. I love them. It's important that, you know, God became man and lived among us. Hello? And we should review that constantly. Amen? Amen? So this is just coming from that. But it also comes from the words of Jesus himself. Because John 14, 12, Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, say whoever. whoever. Say I'm an ever. <laughs> whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the father <sighs> wow <laughs> hello <laughs> it doesn't say all the apostles who believe in me it doesn't say the people who are listening to my voice right now and to believe in me it doesn't say the dispensation of Christ on the earth, those who believe in me. It doesn't say all your theological acrobatics, not you, Facebook, Facebook. I'm talking about, I'm talking to Facebook. It doesn't say all your excuses to be uh, not a part of this, all right? It just says whoever believes in me. You know, Jesus is the entry point, right? You know, Jesus is the door. You know, there's a whole kingdom once you go through the door. You know, the way is narrow, but you go through the gate, and it opens up real big, real wide. You're called to do the works of Jesus and greater. What's greater than raising the dead? Raising a graveyard. I don't know. A whole bunch of raising the dead who's been dead for 50 years. I don't know. I can imagine a some pretty awesome stuff and it says he's able to do far more than we even think or imagine so you can think i'm crazy i'm just keeping the standard listen i've prayed for people and they've died i'm not speaking out of turn i'm not saying thou shalt and i'll never take a risk no i've i've prayed for friends who have died i mean in the hospital hands on a dead body no you can't die you can't die please come back didn't doesn't change the standard doesn't change the truth whoever believes in him will do the same works that he does either Jesus is a liar or that's the truth it's black and white for me man I don't care what my experience or yours or history tells us I don't care I don't care 
Can you tell I just don't care? I don't care. <laughs> Jesus, in fact, healed all who came to him. Every single one of them. Acts 10.38 says, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. Have you been anointed by God with the Holy Spirit? Oh, wow. And with great power, he did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all who were under the tyranny of the devil. For God had anointed him. Listen, you're not anointed for a better day. <laughs> you're not anointed just to have a good time at church on Sunday. You're anointed to see change effect in the world. To see the sick healed. To see the dead raised. You're anointed for a purpose. And Jesus did not actually heal every sick person on the earth while he was here. He didn't even go to some places, right? But he healed all who came to him. Every single person going to Jesus for a miracle was healed. It says all. That means all. In the Greek, in the Hebrew, in the book of opinions, all means all. Okay. Amen. So we are looking through the seven miracles in the Gospel of John. Last week we talked about the water into wine. This week we're going to head into uh, John chapter 4 where he heals the nobleman's son. Okay, I'm going to read it first, and then if you're new around here, I, I really like to uh, just hold up the pictures, um, because God speaks in picture, right? God's language is picture. He gives you visions and dreams. He speaks in pictures. He even, you know, when he speaks, he paints a picture. When he speaks, it created the world. He speaks in picture. So I like to look at the, the sayings of Jesus and the uh, interactions of God on the earth as pictures for us, as revelatory things for us to learn from. Amen? So we're going to look through some of the pictures in this story, but first I'm going to read it. And I love the public reading of Scripture. We need to get back to that. Somebody say amen. amen. We'd, we'd lose all our really bad theology if we just read the Bible. You know how many times people are like, you can't say that? And I said, I didn't. I read it to you. I quoted it to you. You can't say that. Da, da, da. I didn't. Paul did. Jesus did. Take it up with him. All right, here we go. John 4, verse 46 through 54. This is in the Passion Translation. Might be a little different than you've heard before, but that's okay. Jesus entered the village of Cana of Galilee, where he had transformed water into wine. And there was a governmental official in Capernaum who had a son who was very sick and dying. When he heard that Jesus had left Judea and was staying in Cana of Galilee, he decided to make the journey to Cana. When he found Jesus, he begged him, you must come with me to Capernaum and heal my son. So Jesus said to him, you never believe unless you see signs and wonders. But the man continued to plead, you have to come with me to Capernaum before my little boy dies. I have a little boy. Can you hear the, this father crying out? <laughs> you know? You have to come back with me before my little boy dies. Then Jesus looked him in the eyes and said, go back home now. I promise you, your son will live and not die. The man believed in his heart the words of Jesus and set off for home. Did you hear that? The man believed in his heart the words of Jesus and set off for home. When he was still a distance from Capernaum, his servants met him on the road and told him the good news. Your son is healed. He's alive. Overjoyed, the father asked his servants, when did my son begin to recover? Yesterday, they said. 
At one in the afternoon, all at once, the fever broke. His fever broke, and now he's well. Then the father realized that it was at that very same hour that Jesus spoke the words to him, your son will live and not die. So from that day forward, the man and all his family and servants believed. This was Jesus' second extraordinary miracle in Galilee after coming from Judea. They believed because they had a miracle. Many are just like, many are setting a standard for the world that Jesus never had. Just believe. Just believe. Put it on billboards. Just believe it. Believe this. Jesus saves. Believe it. No. Prove it. Just believe. We're telling the world, just believe. Why don't you believe, you unbeliever? Why don't you give them a reason to believe like Jesus did? That's what I'm saying to you. There's so many pictures here in this story. And I, I hope it confronts your personhood because you need to be confronted. I'm a confrontational person. Because I love you. I'm not mad at anybody, right? I'm not. You can probably tell I'm actually not mad at anybody. But you need to change so that you can become a change in the earth. We say things like, I'm going to stop going to church. I'm going to be the church. Well, that means you actually like heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, and preach the kingdom. That's what that means. It means you're responsible for all the sick people in your life. You carry the solution. That's what that means. It's more than a bumper sticker. Okay. So let's look at these pictures. This guy, the nobleman, he actually worked for the occupiers of the Jews. <laughs> the, the Jews that were following Jesus, this is the second miracle. Say second miracle. They haven't been with Jesus very long. He hasn't done very many things. And already he's healing the enemy. Second miracle, he decides, I know what I'll do. <laughs> Come on. This guy, he worked for the Romans, okay? And they, the Jews are actually hoping that the Christ would come and overthrow Rome, not heal them. You're praying for the overthrow of your enemies. God is waiting for you to pray for the healing of your enemies. Because <laughs> here's the deal. God does not care about your politics. He doesn't care about your political leaning. Right, left, moderate, extreme right, extreme left, blah, blah, blah. He does not care. He cares about you. He cares about you and them. Let me just clearly define the political spirit here at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of an election year. Let me clearly define it for you. Ready? Anything that makes it us versus them is the political spirit. And it's from the pit of hell. Just take that with you throughout this year, please, into the election. Anytime you start thinking, I'm on one side, they're on the other, that's the language of the accuser. Because when it says he's the accuser of the brethren, he accuses them day and night, Revelation, remember that? That, book, or the, that word accuser is literally, in the Latin and in the Greek, it's the word we get categorizer from. He's the categorizer of the brethren. Red, blue, black, white. Democrat, Republican. He's the categorizer. They're in that category. You're in this one. That's how the devil 
defeats and divides. You're operating in the political spirit if you think ill of anyone who disagrees with you. If you think ill of them, not ill of their argument. I'm saying ill of them like they're a bad person. Are you with me? This guy, he worked for Herod Antipas. Herod was not a good dude. All right, this, he would be like, just in your mind, hold. I don't want to get any, I don't want to get mail. So whatever. In your mind, hold the political candidate or officer that you least like. Just think of them real quick. I'm sure it's easy for you. All right. And then imagine their right-hand man. Imagine their aid. That's who Jesus healed. So fill in the blank the name of the person, the big bad person over there who's evil. Put their name on the, on the whiteboard of your brain and say, their right-hand person. That's who Jesus healed their, their son. That's, the, that's what happened. That's how the Jews would have been experiencing this. We read nobleman. We think he was a noble man. No, he works for Herod, okay? Herod was not noble. Herod is the one who had John the Baptist beheaded. He's the one who mocked Jesus looking for a miracle and then handed him back to Pilate. God doesn't see your associations. He sees your heart. He sees according to his kindness, not according to your actions. That's why God doesn't need you to do anything, think anything, be anything for him to love you. He initiates it all. And you get to receive it or not. That's how this thing works. Not only did he work for the big bad meanie face, the nobleman would have walked an entire day. Okay, I'm playing with you now. He would have walked an entire day. Okay, this guy would have walked 20 miles or more from Capernaum to Cana. Yeah, just to see his son healed. He left the presence of an earthly king with wealth, connections, and resources to meet with the only one with the real solution, the king of kings. He left the presence of a king to find a higher king. That's what he did. But I'm saying this because the natural attempts of our, of our connections, you know, the natural attempts of our, our, you know, even your resources, things like that, they can run out. But God steps in where they run out. Amen? So this guy, I'm just sure this guy would have... Um, would have done everything for his son. He would have used all his connections. He would have used all his money. His son's on the verge of death, right? And so at this point, it's not like he was just like, oh, there's a healer. I'll go see Jesus. I'm sure he was working to see his son well. If a guy who walks 20 miles, right, the whole day, I'm sure he's done everything else, right? This is desperation mode. So even the wealthy and well-connected, this picture tells me that they're given miracles when they seek them out too. I think we have this idea that God uh, thinks of, you know, only healing the poor or the beggar or the lame man. And we have many of those stories. But this is God healing a wealthy, well-connected man's son. Come on. He heals, say it with me, all who come to him. He heals all who come to him. doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. This is what he does. Oh, you want healing? Boom. You can have it. Father God saw the heart of this father. Father God saw the heart. There's nothing like a parent desperate to see their children healed. My son was born one pound, 11 ounces, my firstborn. 24 weeks. We were in the NICU for four months. I'm telling you, there's nothing like the heart of a parent that wants to see their kids healed. There's nothing like that. 
The people saw a nobleman, an occupier. Jesus saw a noble father. You might see an employee of a rival company or a political opponent or a friend who hurts you, a member of a church that doesn't believe like yours. God sees a son. God sees a daughter. God sees a child in need. He doesn't wait for your approval to heal them. <laughs> Let's see if all those people over there are okay with me healing these people over there. No, he just doesn't care. Even if it makes him look bad. He begged Jesus to come with him. This is one of my favorite parts of the story because he's leaving um, his home in Capernaum to Cana, and he's begging him, come back. He's thinking like many of us think. If I was just in the days of Jesus, if I just walked the streets of Galilee with the Son of Man, I would see miracles. He was thinking in the natural, okay, I need the miracle man to come with me in the, in the flesh. I need him to come and lay hands on my son. That's what he was thinking, right? But listen, Jesus didn't leave with him. He sent a word ahead of him. <laughs> We're supposed to believe the words of his mouth. You understand Jesus came in the flesh on the earth, said everything he needed to say, sent the word ahead of him, and we're living in the day of his words. We're living in the day of his word. Here's, let me break it, let me just get to the real point here, okay? You don't need a visitation, you need a hearing ear. This is dangerous waters because I, I know our language sometimes, we don't mean the word we're saying. We mean something else by the word we're saying. I know that. But listen, if you think you need God to come and do something, you're in unbelief of what he already did. The whole fullness of the Godhead lives in you. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Almighty God is in your chair. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, you have access to the entire kingdom. We don't need a visitation. We need a hearing ear. The nobleman wanted a visitation. God gave him a word. Jesus knew the sound of his voice would travel faster than his body. <laughs> Jesus knew it would fly through all time and space. Just <laughs> You've been given the Holy Spirit without measure. So that you can know what he's saying and do what he's doing. That is what's going to bring healing to the nations. Not a mighty visitation and not the second coming. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Listen, everybody's waiting for Jesus to come back. Jesus is waiting for you to go out. You're hiding in the closet. This is a beautiful closet. I like it here too. I like it here too. All right. But if you, people say the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, that's because the church has one on her head. You're the light of the world, not the light of the church. You don't even have an opportunity to shine in here. There's too much light to even notice. Did you hear what I said? You don't even have an opportunity to shine in here. There's too much light for me to even notice you're shining. There's a whole bunch of lights. Like, look at all these lights. They light up the whole world. You're all lights. 
So I can't even tell. Like, who's here? I can't even tell. But you go out there into the darkness. And that's where light is supposed to go. This is why I say all the time, we don't need a holy huddle. It's just a bunch of light bulbs plugged into the same room. Overexposure. Some of you do have an overexposure problem. It's just going to tell you. Some of you have so much light, you've gone blind, you can't even see the one in front of you that's hurting. You turn on a light bulb, you don't stare at the stinking light bulb. You light up the room. The problem is, many of us aren't even going into rooms that need light. Or if we go in, we get our nice fitted basket called cultural churchianity. We wear our basket and make sure that we're not offensive to anyone. I don't want to offend anyone with my faith. That's the problem. I want to offend every demon in hell. I do. I do. I do. People aren't your enemy, right? But people will rise up against you saying, you can't say that. And you say, well, I'm going to anyway. Jesus is king. You are not king. I love you enough to tell you. You're not the king of the, on the throne of my heart. And I hear him and obey. Period. There's proper alignment. There's proper order. There's, you know, you're supposed to be supernatural, not super weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to be extraordinary, not just extra. Okay? So I'm not saying you need to walk into work tomorrow and be like, hey, you know, like throw out a bunch of tongues and make them ask you why. I'm not saying you need to bring your flags into the cubicle or any of that stuff. I'm saying you need to take the basket off your head and shine. You need to provide light for people. A light gives way to the path. Show them how to go. Give them a safe way to get to their destiny. Serve them to their purpose. They'll ask you why. Say, are you one of those Christians that pray? Yes, I do. They will ask you that. I've had people, strangers approach me in public. They go, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I promise you, it's not the hair or the beard. I don't always dress like this. It's definitely not the white shirt, okay? I'm telling you, light is easily seen. Hallelujah. Okay, I have so much more to say. I'm going to say it really quickly. In verse 50, the man actually believed in his heart the words of Jesus and set off for home. Right? Faith follows the word. He didn't plead for Jesus to come after that. He was pleading, and then Jesus gave a word. He stopped pleading and went. Many of you get words and keep begging. Because you don't believe the words you got. Just sorry. <laughs> this is how Jesus preached. He just shook the stick really hard and said, hang on if you can. <laughs> hang on if you want to. Listen, the proof of belief in your heart is the motion in your feet. When you, you prove that you, you believe God when you move your feet and do what he says. That's why we call it a faith walk. Okay? 
Faith without works is dead. Well, faith that doesn't walk does nothing. Right? Come on. Faith has to hit your feet. You hear the word and you believe. It's easy to see the believers. They're doing something. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was not this feisty in the first gathering. You guys just, you need it apparently. I don't know. No, it's, it's definitely Facebook that needs it. It's all those other Christians over there. We're all professional Christians in here. Amen. <laughs> Verse 52. I love this. He investigated. Faith investigates. Faith investigates. It does. He asked the servants when his son began to recover, right? Come on. In his joy, he didn't hesitate to investigate. Some believe the lie that investigation is not rooted in faith. It's the opposite. If you're in faith, you have every reason to turn over every rock and let the light expose the goodness and power of God. Did you hear that? If you're in faith, you have every reason to turn over every rock, to look at every angle, to prove it. I don't call Thomas doubting Thomas, the guy who said, I won't believe unless I put. It says he doubted. It never said he's doubting Thomas. So let's be biblical. He doubted. I've doubted. I wouldn't want one moment in my life to define my personhood. Stop calling him that. He's in the cloud of witnesses. And you dishonor his memory when you say that. I'm really just, gloves are off, dude. I don't know. Sorry. I call him tenacious Thomas. He wanted his encounter for himself. He wanted to know what it was like to be in Christ. To put his finger in the holes in his hand. And he, in fact, was the first person in Christ because of his tenacity. Some of you have been shamed by the faith community because you asked too many questions. I'm a questioner. You need to, we need to encourage investigation of miracles. And we need to encourage accountability when we're wrong. I have gone on stage, not at this church, at a previous church, and said there was a miracle and brought someone up to testify. Found out later through doctors it wasn't a miracle. And I went back on stage and owned it. Because he who's trusted with little will be trusted with much. We have to hold ourselves accountable, man. If you want the real thing, you got to get real. There's this idea in the faith, let's just fake it till we make it. Let's just, you know, let's just act like it happened and hopefully it will, you know. That's not what we're doing. Come on. They told the nobleman the time that it happened, and it further proved the authority of God's word. Hello? It further proved it. He said, at this hour, and he said, that was the exact hour, and that's when the fever broke. Boom. Come on. And I love this. Dallas Willard actually says it this way, talking about faith, okay? It's actually interacting with reality in such a way that causes an effect. Interacting with reality in such a way that causes an effect. Like you walking over to the light switch and turning it on. You just acted in faith. You knew that when you hit the light switch, when you act, interacted with reality, it was going to turn on. You knew that before it turned on. That's called faith. Are you with me? Okay, so faith doesn't strive it partners with God through intentional effort. Listen to this. Faith doesn't strive. It partners with God through intentional effort. I'm going to say it one more time. Faith does not strive. You know, I'm going to work up my faith. Work up my faith. I'm going to pray three times a day. I'm going to fast. I'm going to. No. It partners with God through intentional effort. Meaning whatever God tells you to do, that is what you should do. And no more and no less. 
and his commands are not burdensome. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. That means if you're feeling heavy, come on, I just, there's a kabod, there's a weighty glory of God that's appropriate. But there's a heaviness on the church, the faith community, that's inappropriate. Like you go into the prayer closet and come out tired, inappropriate. You go to a worship gathering and then go to lunch and you're mean, inappropriate. You preach and you just have to take a nap because you're so spent. I could do this 10 more times today. Obeying the word of God will strengthen you, not deplete you. We need a paradigm shift. We have to be okay with investigating because God wants to make it abundantly clear that he is the one doing the work. He wants to make it abundantly clear that that's me. That's me right there, you know. Listen, this is a prayer of my life, and it's happening. Thank God. I've been praying this for years. I said, God, do something so miraculous through me that if I even tried to take the credit, they would all laugh. Do something so miraculous through me that if I try to take the credit, if I ever slip into pride or, or deception and try to say, I've done this, the response will be laughter. <laughs> yeah, right. I want it to be that big. I mean, all of Tampa saved big. I mean, people drive into the city limits and their tumors fall off big. I mean, something so miraculously big that people go, that had to be God, not that long-haired skinny dude. No way. No way he did that. And I'm partnering with God to see that happen. Amen. And it looks like being honest, it looks like being real. I know this isn't like super fun to hear, but you need to get real. Okay? You need to be real. You need to be honest with yourself and with others. Okay? This, this is, I'll just, I have a testimony about this because I just felt the Lord said we should share this one. A few months ago, this beam right here started raining supernaturally. Water came from that beam right there. There are no water pipes on the inside. There are no water pipes on the outside right above that. And it's raining. Gigi called it out during worship. And Hyveson is standing right here. And I'm right there. And I said, Hyveson, did you spit? <laughs> Not because I was in unbelief, but because I was in faith. Faith investigates. When did the fever break? And he goes, no. It's like, he's got a bottle of water. I'm like, did you spill? the water and while he's saying no you know I see the drops go boom, boom. and I'm looking up there I'm like there are no pipes I don't know what's going on Thomas Bowen he was in the first gathering he's our AC guy who installed the AC unit up front I know because we own this building there's some runoff lines up there I'm thinking okay this is either the miracle or there's a lot of rain outside or the paper the the lines broke and we are in big trouble right now like we need to fix that before it floods the building, you know. And so I sent him. During the gathering, I said, Thomas, get on the roof. And he got on the access ladder out here and walked up there, looked around, came back down. He said, it's bone dry. There's no water anywhere. So I got on my phone and got the radar app out, and I took a screenshot. Go ahead and throw this one. This is Tampa when it was happening at 1149 a.m. on Sunday that day. Go ahead to the next one. I zoomed in. I'm like, there are zero clouds in the sky. This is what I did. 
while everyone's celebrating. I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, because I want to testify to the miracle. I'm not scoffing or in doubt. I'm investigating like the nobleman. I'm investigating because I want the real thing. There's, I don't know if you know this, there's been abuses of this thing. Fake healings. I am, I'm saying this facetiously. I can't say that word very well. I'm saying this kind of funnily. I know you all know, all right? There's been tons of abuse of this. The world needs the real thing. And you won't be trusted with it if you don't investigate. I'm telling you. We won't be trusted with it unless we investigate. Faith investigates. It uses partnership with God through intentional effort to find out, okay, yeah, God definitely did that. Amen? Come on. This is what the nobleman did. This is what I'm seeing. I mean, this is the, the word of God painting a picture for us. We need to learn from these things and say, you know what? We also are going to be noblemen. You know, we're noble women. We're going to say, yeah, okay, wow, when did that happen? Was it before or after we prayed? Oh, it was just the Tylenol. Okay, praise God. That was a little bit of a joke, you know. Lord, I command this migraine to leave. Pop Tylenol. It's a miracle. <laughs> Listen, I've, I take Tylenol. It's not a big deal. I'm not anti-medicine, all right? But I've also commanded a migraine off my brain, off my head, in a mirror for about 15 minutes, and it left. I mean, I've done, I've done both. It's not, I'm just saying, my point is, we need to be okay with the investigation. True faith investigates. It's not afraid of finding out, oh, it wasn't real. Hello? Ooh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. When my dad was diagnosed with cancer, I told some, um, he's in full remission, by the way. He's totally awesome. He did chemo and all that stuff. He rode his bike 100 miles a week because that's what the doctor said. He could ride 100 miles a week. He sweat the toxins out. It was awesome. He's Superman. He's over there. He's awesome. Anyway. When he was, when that was happening, I, I was distraught. I was a young man. I was like, oh, my gosh, my dad has cancer. This is terrible. And, he, and you know, I talked to some faith-filled believers who I started to say, my dad has cancer, and they rebuked me and said, don't say it. I'm like, what? And they're like, don't say he has cancer. I'm like, he does. <laughs> we need God to move because there's a problem. But they thought it faith. To, he, they said, have faith. Don't say that. Have faith. I'm like, you need a test in order to have a testimony. I said it a couple weeks ago. It's really funny to me. Without the test, all you are is money. So you got to have a test for the testimony, right? Bill Johnson says it this way, and then I'm going to be done. Bill Johnson says, faith does not ignore the existence of an issue. It ignores its place of influence. Faith doesn't ignore. It's not there. It's not there. It's not there. It's not there. It ignores its place of influence. Oh, it's there, but it doesn't have power over me. It doesn't have the final say. Yeah, I have that report from the doctor, but God has the final word. And I'm going to have a hearing ear. A hearing ear to partner with what God is doing. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com.